Well, hi, welcome to the Hillbrook Center for Teaching Excellence podcast. My name is Bill Selleck. I'm Director of Technology here at Hillbrook. And I am Annie Makala, Director of the Scott Center for Social Entrepreneurship. And we are joined today. We're so lucky. We have two special guests in the podcast studio with us. And they are... Gulliver Lavage, Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion here at Hillbrook. And... Oki Nathanako Unagumsaka Nidomtutu Amskapipakani. My name is Jossie Ross. I come from the Blackfeet people. Awesome. Thank you both for joining us today. Um, Gulliver, you are our connection to Jossie. So will you share a little bit more about um, your work with him in the past and, and the opportunity to bring him to Hillbrook? Yeah, so um, Jossie and I uh, go back about five years. We met at a People of Color conference um, in Tampa, I believe it was. In Tampa, yep. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, sort of developed a connection and... Uh, uh, good dialogue uh, around diversity, equity, and inclusion, social justice at, in the independent school world and beyond. As a keynote speaker that year, Jossie really spoke to me and a lot of the people there um, about the importance of this work and telling the history of this work and talking about um, sort of the fundamental ways that we, that we can be doers of justice in our own ways. With that, we had a conversation and um, he ended up coming out to uh, to Woodside Priory where I used to work before about three years ago, mm-hmm. two, three years ago, and did some great work with, with our community um, in the middle school and in the high school um, and with the, with the faculty and staff. Just a great experience. He also got to meet, meet my family and, and so we, um, and, you know, he and I both love basketball and so he's, <laughs> he's been able to sort of coach from afar my my kids and follow follow how they do go so, niners yeah <laughs> yeah kill me <laughs> that's painful that was yeah, yeah. that was well thank so, you so much gully <laughs> <We're sorry>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the reason we, th- we thought um Jossie coming in and speaking especially to the ideas around um privilege and bias would be great for for our middle school and also just to talk about uh, Native culture, Native nations with our fourth and fifth graders has been uh, really fruitful as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it's sharing. good to be here. It's beautiful. So here. excited oh to have gosh. you here. Yeah. Thank you. So the two questions that frame our work both at the Scott Center, with this podcast, with our work with Reach Beyond and other parts of the school um, are what matters to you and what are you doing about it? So mm-hmm. we're going to start the interview by asking you those questions. We'll start mm-hmm. with what matters to you. Okay. Um, well, first and foremost, let me say thank you. Um, thank you to all of you uh, for allowing me to be here. It's, it's truly beautiful here. I, I wasn't expecting, I, I thought I was pretty familiar with the, the, the Bay Area. Mm. And I love hills and I love misty hills. Like one of my <laughs> favorite people and places in the world is Oahu. Oh, yeah. And it actually has an Oahu-ish feel right here. It does, yeah. 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 It caught us at a particularly misty week. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. There's a place, it has nothing to do with the answer to what matters to me, but there's a place, I used to represent the Eastern Band Cherokee Indian in North Carolina, the Smoky Mountains. Oh, wow. And it has, a, the Smoky Mountains, they're smoky, but they're, it's not smoke, it's mist. Yeah. And it's just gorgeous up there. And I could live there because it has such an Oahu-ish feel. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. You got elk over there because they have elk that have been tra- reintroduced to the area. Yep. So it's amazing to see that. The one caveat to that is, and I just got done talking about this with the fourth grade class, is that everything's poisonous in Cherokee, North Carolina. So I could never live there because of that reason. Um, <laughs> poisonous snakes galore. Anyway, um, I, I yep. love being here, seeing the Smoky Mountains here the smoky hills and knowing that nothing is going to bite me. 
um, <laughs> that you know of. That I know of, right. I didn't tell you about, well, I won't say it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, so what matters to me? A, a lot of stuff, just like anybody else. I'm a complex human being. First and foremost, I'm a father. Mm. And, you know, a lot of times people tend to see um, um, altruism or benevolence in the things, the social justice, quote unquote, social justice things that anybody does. And I try not to see that. I don't want to see benevolence. I don't want to see altruism in the good works of anybody, um, whether we're talking about um, people who are uh, you know, on the front lines of whatever social movement, whether we're talking about white allies. I don't want altruism or benevolence. I want to see vested interest, a mm. personal interest of that people. And for me, I can definitely say that all anything that people consider to be um, justice work is done from a selfish position. I want the world to be better for my children. Mm. I want the world to be better for my children. And so everything I do is intended, hopefully, just to incrementally make the world a slightly better place, make uh, the environment a slightly better place, a slightly kinder place, create a, a, a hospitable uh, a place for my kids. And when other people benefit from that, cool. I'm not mad at that. But that wasn't my first intention. My first intention is about my my children. Yeah. And I love being a dad. I, I love uh, being an uncle. I've been an uncle since I was 12 years old. I have a very fertile family. And and I Basketball enjoy... Basketball coach, it, it sounds no, like. No, that's right. I mean, everything's kind of predicated upon kids. Like, yeah. I, I love being around kids. And I, and I coach. Um, shout out to uh, the Kids App Drive. Um, you know, we have a pretty good basketball team. And, <laughs> and um, you know, developing young folks hopefully to do all the stuff they want to do go make a billion dollars if that's what you want to do go uh, uh be a, a a politician go be a doctor go be an act but do it with a sensibility thinking about kids and i think putting it in very tangible terms if you do that if you just do that not you think about the rest of the world but thinking about your kids what are you leaving to them the world would be a better place yeah well said will you share some of the things you've named a few of them but you know, we've heard you talk to the fifth and sixth, seventh and eighth, fourth graders this morning. Mm -hmm. Share some of the things that you're doing about that. Well, my primary um, job, my primary identity as a um, working person, I suppose, because that takes on an identity of itself. Like if I had to somebody ask me what I am, who I what I do. Uh, first and foremost, I'm a parent. Mm. Secondly, I'm a poet. And when I say poet, it doesn't mean I'm always writing poetry. I haven't written a poem in over a year, but. I think, you know, life, if you're doing it right, is poetry. Life has a rhythm to it. Life is the highest form of artistry. When you're balancing 50 different things, like my mom was a single mother. And for her to balance, uh, Gully and I were just talking about, you know, single moms. And, and to watch a single mom, you know, balance uh, somehow taking care of kids, making sure there's lunches, uh, making sure there's food there, making sure that the bills are paid, making sure that, you know, the kids in the midst of sickness, making sure that they're not somehow getting sick and are still able to be economically viable. All of those things. That is art. Yeah, That's beautiful. That's poetry. That's jazz. Like, man, that's that's improvisation. Nice. Yeah. And, and, and it's the highest form of improvisation because it affects life. Right. It's not done just for the sake of art, which is beautiful in itself, but it's done because it's sustaining life. Mm. And so like my primary identity is as a father and, and then secondly is as a poet. But after that, you know, I'm a lawyer and law, law necessarily implicates justice. Mm. Um, always. It always does. Always will. 
because it's access to law. Who is able to pay for that service? And if you're not able to pay for that service, if you don't know how to navigate and you don't have somebody that's showing you how to get from point A to point B, you're going to get screwed by the system. Now, fortunately, you know, the folks that are around here oftentimes have the resources if they ever get in any sort of jam. But people who have a background like mine and the people around me, they don't know that. And so I become a first responder. I don't work for an ambulance. I don't work for, (laughs) but, but I become a first responder when anybody that I know or who has a family member or friend who knows me because I'm very accessible. Yeah. They like family law questions, uh, criminal law questions, uh, corporate law. They ask me, they come and holler at me. And, and I have to be at least able, I don't know all the answers. I don't know most of the answers, but I have to be at least able to say, look, this is, this is the first step. This is what you do. This is what you do. And my job, I believe, is oftentimes to provide uh, calm mm. and to provide like, nah, nah, you can holler at me. You can talk to me. We right. can we can we can talk. I'm not going to say I have the answer. I'm not going to fix everything. Right. But at least I'll be able to provide hopefully that first step that will be able to provide a little bit of reason. So that's probably nice. the primary way yeah. that I, I help, I think, in, in that regard is that I'm always, my door is always open. I make myself very accessible, whether through the podcast, Breakdance of Wolves, Indigenous Pirate Radio, whether through um, uh, social media, whether through just going to a powwow, going to a basketball tournament. Everybody, I don't hide from the fact of who I am and my identities and, and you know, that I'm available to help people. That's really well said. I love that. Um, I, I feel like we could talk for the next three hours and not even begin to get through the, a lot of the things you've done. I wonder if maybe an interesting way of, of getting at it is sharing what you've done with our students, mm-hmm. conversations you've had. Yeah. Um, well, we, we've been talking about um, privilege and we've been talking about bias. And it's, it's you know, we live in this weird time where there's almost a, a shaming of privilege. Mm. Um, where people are supposed to hide from the fact that they have opportunity. And, you know, that, that comes from all backgrounds. Like, you know, I have children, I have three children and like at some point they're going to be caught in this existential place where they're supposed to have in order to, um, have credibility in some worlds, a hardship story. They're supposed to. That's going to be an interesting existential place because they don't really have those. There's other types of hardship, of course. But at some point, they're going to have come face to face with like, oh, OK, people are going to question their indigeneity or mm-hmm. their their, um, you know, their 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 realness or whatever it is, because they don't have a lot of those stories. And and so, you know, what I believe wholeheartedly is that like now I'm in my uh, fourth uh, decade. And like I've at this point that I'm born with a certain amount of privilege. I'm a man. I'm a cisgendered man, heterosexual. And so that gives me a certain amount of um, standing in certain places. And rightly or wrongly, probably wrongly, people are going to put me in front of certain things that people that don't check those boxes. And in some ways I don't have privilege, you know, I'm brown skin I'm, I'm i'm very brown skin melanin and 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 i'm you know i come from a background of poverty as well either way to contend with those those relative privileges mm-hmm. and to you know be able to talk honestly about it i think is a good thing yep. and to just recognize like oh, okay in some 
uh, uh, situation, some context. I do have this privilege. I have this standing that other people are going to take more seriously. And then others, when I go into a legal a courtroom, until I show them and until I whoop them in the courtroom, because that's what I do, <laughs> until I whoop them in the courtroom, they're thinking this old white guy is thinking that he, because of his 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 privilege because he is giving a an assumed amount of competency an assumed amount of of gravitas that i'm not he thinks that he has something on me and so i have to you know in in that situation i don't have the privilege but either way it's important to check in and be honest about that like cool okay i have this my kids have this um those folks around me have this this privilege and that's not a bad thing yeah in fact it's, it's a good thing because if we use it right, if we leverage it, if we build it up the way LeBron James has, the way Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did, the way a lot of people have done. Like, I'm going to build all this privilege, whether it's a, as an athlete or as an entertainer, as a lawyer, as a doctor, as a teacher, an educator. I'm going to do all these things, build up credibility within my community. And then I'm going to use it to include other people nice. that, that wouldn't yeah. have that opportunity. I love what you're talking about. It's, it's deeply tied to why... We launched the Scott Center for Social Entrepreneurship, which was within recognition that the largest transfer of wealth will happen from one generation to the next yes. in the next decade. And we will have a group of young people with financial means that they did not acquire themselves. And yet what we see all day, every day mm -hmm. is young people care deeply about their community. They care deeply about the planet and are looking for ways to make sense of that privilege and that opportunity to make long-term change mm -hmm. and to connect with the things that matter most to them and have an, an outlet for both creativity, because I love what you were talking about with living the creative life. It's, it's important to how we exist as communities and as individuals. And then also finding the way in which we can bring other people into those circles of privilege yeah. is critical. And, and our students here at Hillbrook and beyond are hungry for that. Yeah. No, we have to. We have to, because it, it just becomes, as you mentioned, the largest transfer of wealth ever, ever. That's a crazy statement. Yeah. yeah, it is. And and you know, and so when you realize that and you realize, okay, I can do things one of two ways. I can either be mad about that, that I'm not part of that, I'm not privy to that getting part of that wealth. And that might lead me to um make people uh, you know, like create division mm. of people who are doing that. Or or you can make inroads. And I truly believe those inroads, I think that so many people want to do right with the resources they're acquiring and have acquired and are going to acquire. Yep. Um, I, I think they want to do right. I think they have a compulsion to do right. I think number one, they don't know how. Like, okay, what would I do? And then, and then number two, they've been shamed. Mm. Okay. You got this privilege and, you know, and, 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 and now I feel like, all right, well, I guess that community or that, group of people they just don't want what i have to offer and i think that's 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 dangerous right. you know i think we talk honestly we don't ever you know curb our tongue we don't ever hide the truth about privilege and biases and 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 all of these things like absolutely own your privilege at the same time understand it's not a bad thing it's not totally. bad yeah i mean one of the great when i accepted this job and when you know bill and gully and i talk about the core of our of our work with reach beyond one of the things shannon hunt scott who who friends our work at the scott center and whose children go to hillbrook 
talks about is, you know, what does it look like to give our students opportunities to sit alongside people in their community Mm -hmm. and recognize like we are all in this together. And the more we're able to understand our intersectionality Mm -hmm. of work, of interests, of the things that matter to us, we're going to be a better community because of that. And that this work can't just live or exist on the Hillbrook campus. Mm -hmm. We have to make efforts to grow and to share it out in other parts of the world. Yeah. That's absolutely right. Otherwise, what's the point? Right. You know, I mean, so, yeah, you know, and that's, you know, having those conversations, being honest about it again, not being judgmental. Judging doesn't help anybody like it, it really doesn't help anybody. I live in, I sit in judgment professionally every single day. Like <laughs> and, and, and we see the inefficacy of the criminal justice system. Right. Right. Like we know for a fact that people that go to jail. It doesn't work in any regard. There's nothing that happens at a jail that's fruitful for later on in life for you yes. or I or any of us that are outside of that criminal justice system. And there's nothing that's fruitful for the people that are inside that criminal justice system. All it does is create a certain amount of jobs and it gives slave labor. That's the only purpose. Right. So we understand that judgment that making people feel ashamed, that ostracizing people, it doesn't help. What we need to do instead is extend tables. We need to make tables bigger, figure out how to include people into other conversations. And and the only way you can do that is by getting out, like, you know, actually spreading that word. And so, yeah, anyway, I'm talking too much. No, I love it. Sorry, I'm talking too much. I'm so psyched about this conversation. Um, And it's so law is such an interesting intersection into this work. I you know, I'm sure we all have read Jess Marcy and the movie just came out. And so I was listening to a Brian Stevenson podcast this morning in which she talked about the word shame and how we have, um, we really need to talk about this as an entire country's approach, as opposed to talking about slavery that happened in the South, that there are examples of slavery that happened all over our country. Mm -hmm. And we all need to be dissecting that in every part of the country and the world. And until we're willing, we're willing to have that conversation and dig into, you know, we all have a responsibility to have this conversation to name where it happened and not just to move on, but to own what each of us can do to make reparations. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people that want to, but they don't know how. Again, people, you know, right now we live in this weird era where folks are so incredibly interested in diagnosing. Like we want to diagnose and diagnose and diagnose and come up with all these cool academic terms, you know, gaslighting and 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 you know, like all these cool things that describe behaviors that already had a name. And that's cool. Like language is important, but at the same time, like okay, we're just, all we're doing is diagnosing and re-diagnosing and re-diagnosing. Like actually, like let's get a a, a body of work. Let's figure out what the prescription is after the diagnosis. Okay, well then is the, the, the prescription, um, you know, that it's going to be reparations mm. is the prescription that um, we, we just wholesale honor the treaties as they stand right now. Is it that we, um, you know, we, we have a national apology? Is it that I, I don't know? My, right. my point is, I don't know yeah, the answer, but but simply saying and having anger just anger that's directed and at no particular place. And you see it. I'm on social media. I'm on Twitter and I see people and they're just mad. Like they're mad at the president. I understand that. Like I get that. But what's the solution? Is the solution another president? 
because I have a suspicion that nothing is going to fundamentally change with just an election. There actually has to be something that's outside of a political solution, outside of something that's just superimposed on people. There has to be, I think, and Gully and I were talking about this, stuff, I think it actually has to come from a spiritual place. I think it has yeah. to come from a place that's a little bit deeper than simply, okay, well, this is just, you know, this is money or this is affirmative action. I, I'm, a, I'm a disciple of Derek Bell and Derek Bell talks about the shortcomings of affirmative action and other mandate plans. That doesn't work because people just do the minimum. Whatever the man mandate says, they're going to do the minimum. So we actually have to, instead of just thinking about what the problem is, we have to actually think in terms of solution. And I don't think there's enough people that are actually doing that. We're focused on um, the, the the action instead of, well, what's the response supposed to be? Um, and that systemic change. Yeah. Long term. Yeah. You need to hit it, right? I have to leave. You all should keep talking. Um, Annie has a class. I okay. To teach. Unfortunately. Well, no, that's, thank you. Such a good conversation. Yeah. You know, uh, speaking of reparations, Jossie, I know you, I think it was in the Huffington Post where you wrote uh, an article a couple years ago around reparations. Yeah. And sort of the, not, not talking about the tangible, like, we always look, want to see on paper. But I think you were, you know, to your point of, you know, you and I talking about more of like a depth, an emotional, a spiritual. I think you sort of touched a little bit on that in that article around reparations. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is that, like there should be a resource transfer. Absolutely. Um, so what does a resource transfer look like if we're talking about if we're talking about reparations? Um, you know, it, it strikes me that, you know, there's there's certain um, like obviously a, a state that benefited very, very profoundly from uh, slave labor, from the, the works of the enslaved that was never compensated. Well, you know, like as a very topical thing, just first impression. No, like. None of those uh, descendants should ever pay for college at a state school, like, ever. Makes sense. That's easy. That's the easy part um, for Native people, stolen land. You can't compensate for that. How much would uh, the Ohlone people be compensated for land in this area, in, in, in the Bay Area for, yeah, like, you know, for- A lot. It's, a, it's, <laughs> it's incalculable. Yes, yes. It's incalculable. You can't do that math. So no, no Native person should ever pay for school. Like, that's easy. That's the topical part. That's the superficial part. But then you get down to the part that actually gives satisfaction, because that's not going to give satisfaction. Oh, sure. That's going to give like, okay, yeah, they're, they're, they're serious. Like, that's the mark of good faith. That's, a, you know, that's like if you're buying a house, that's earnest money, right? But then we have to actually get to the transaction itself. And the transaction itself, man, how do we calculate 246 years of stolen labor? I see, well, let's see the national, Bernie was talking about $15 an hour times. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and, and then okay, uh, um, outrage, right? Uh, you know the notion of um, uh, there's been psychic harms as well. Like we're talking about numbers that far exceed the national debt, whatever you know, twelve trillion dollars, right? Like kill that debt, easy. Similar to Native people, like you can't count. So we have to, I think, at some point, get past the point where, I no, there's not going to be a monetary value that's going to. To, to be able to satisfy that. So it has to be really, really uh, good faith things that people can agree on that 
makes people feel satisfied or as close to satisfaction as possible. You, it has to be something that's a proxy for actual justice because it's not going to be actual justice. You can't get what in legal terms is called specific performance. You simply cannot do that. It has to be an agreement. Okay, you know what? Um, you're right. I just can't pay this back. So we're going we're gonna to do everything we can to actually fundamentally address the criminal justice system, for example. We're going to take the malice clause out of these, these shootings that keep on happening to Native and Black people, we're, you know, because that, it, we're not going to do that. And we're going to really, really focus substantively on Terry stops, on stop and frisks. And, you know, we're going to really do this because since we can't pay, and we should be doing that stuff anyway, but, but you know, we're going to just fundamentally restructure these school systems that kidnapped your children, and we have been uh, punitive in nature for over 100 years. And how do we know that? Because 2014 Department of Education statistics says that Native and black students are expelled and suspended at the highest rates in the country. And that what we know is that expelled and suspended students are going to be the ones that have the uh, later on interactions with the criminal justice system, which we call the school to prison pipeline. So we got to stop this damaging stuff that we're doing. We have to stop it. And and and, um, you know, and that will be part of the reparation is us actually because, you know, it, the, even the notion of repairing something that you're still actively harming reparations couldn't happen right now. Like right now, it couldn't happen because there's still active harm going on. You can't repair something that's still being actively harmed. So it's impossible right now. So we have to stop this stuff first as a sign of good faith. Like we have to, you know, look at these these relationships and realize that we're really far away from the actualization of some of these concepts. So I wonder if I can speak for me and, and things that have been on my mind. And I know one in particular you've um, been outspoken about. I went to a baseball game a few years ago, the Atlanta Braves, mm -hmm. and there's a whole stadium of people doing whatever the Braves Come chop. Out, chop. Yeah. yeah. And so you, you've spoke out against um, the Washington Redskins. Yeah. Right. So I, I wonder that that's kind of one wondering. And I wonder if it connects with kind of my second wondering, um, trying to be more mindful of language. Mm -hmm. um, so personally, I've been really careful not to refer to ed tech people mm -hmm. as my tribe. Yeah. Right. And so I wonder if you can speak either to the language or to kind of Washington Redskins and how, you know, certain, um, big names have, have kind of taken over. Yeah. Are those connected? Um, so, you know, in regards to the mascot, there's been people that have been doing that work. That, that's never, like, honestly, it's never been a focus for me. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that when I add, people ask, I'll, you know, comment about it. But it's never been a focus of mine. Um, it's been the focus of a lot of people who have been very justice-oriented and, um, you know, who who uh, have done incredible work in that regard. Um, and, and for me... Like I've, I, I, you know, I've, I was a late comer arounder to, to like, you know, because I come from a native community, like I come from the res. And so like, I was always like, I don't care about this. I don't care about this camera. And then like, oh no, this is, this is something that's important. And I, I recognize that. And, and, um, and so like, you know, I see when people are doing that, like, okay, the, the Kansas city chiefs are in the Super Bowl this, this week. Right. I, you know, it, it's it's horrible that we have to do what we do in order to make a point. But people just aren't preconditioned. Americans aren't preconditioned to have compassion with Native people. 
like and it comes down i think largely to the belief that we're dead or we're so you know far from being um a viable race that we don't deserve to have emotions and so we always have to as a result of that do our analysis by comparison and like okay well if you saw a whole bunch of um you know people in a kansas city stadium doing a uh you know a, a african chant and it's all white people like what would that make you feel like you, you know that was wrong yeah you would have no question that was wrong and and again i acknowledge the limitations of using comparisons like that it's not cool to have to do that but because there's really no comparison you know i mean there's really no analysis because historically people just americans don't care about native people how do we know that that's a that's a demonstrable fact because native people get killed by the police at the highest numbers in the nation wow. the highest percentage in the nation but nobody knows that yeah. um native people suffer violent deaths the highest in the nation nobody knows that native people um live the shortest lifespans of anybody in the nation but nobody knows that native. Yeah, okay. I Na heard that actually. Native people. So most most violent deaths are done by people that look like you. That's like irrespective of culture. That's the reason why the idea of black on black crime is a misnomer, right? Because if you talk about black or black black on black crime, you also have to talk about white on white crime. Because most sure. white people are killed by white people. Right. Most black people are killed by black people, et cetera, et cetera. Because that's called a proximity crime. You kill who you're around, not me and not you. You don't yeah. kill anybody, but but like people kill who they're around. The one exception is native people. The vast majority of our deaths are at the hands of other people. Wow. If that was any other community, that would be a tantamount to a declaration of war. But nobody knows that. So that's how we know nobody cares about native people. Yeah. We know that it's a demonstrable fact. And so then we have to do these really, really horrible analogies in order to, I guess, try to uh, blackmail compassion hmm. from people like, well, if it was this, you would feel this way. Yeah. And, you know, like, yeah. So think about that. If it was, you know, a whole bunch of people like, you know, uh, 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 40,000 people in sombreros, you know, singing like mariachis. And it's all white people. Yeah. Like, of course it would be offensive. Yeah. And I actually said that at the game. We were with maybe 20 educators uh, at the ISTE conference. And I was like, I, this this feels wrong. Like, yeah. does anyone else, like, raise your hand if this feels really racist? Can we yeah. not do the tomahawk chop? Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's just a thing. It's fine. I was like, I, yeah, this feels really wrong. And yeah. it, it kind of surprised me that an entire stadium's doing the tomahawk chop. But it doesn't surprise me, though. I mean, you yeah. know, when, when like anything, any indignity that happens to Native people and that is later on held to be completely OK, doesn't surprise me. I've seen every shade of that mm -hmm. where, you know, our deaths, violent deaths are never vindicated, where our insults are never addressed where every manner of, you know, of indignity that can happen happens and people don't seem to care like, OK, we'll just... and that's one. You know, it's it's interesting because, um, you know, there are a lot of native people who are doing that work, like addressing that. And, you know, for the most part, people really don't pay attention, you know, and and so I say, you know, salute to those folks who are doing that because it's thankless work it has to be frustrating 
has to be incredibly, incredibly, you know, just just insulting to constantly see that and to research that. And like, man, this is still happening despite all these this work that I've been doing. Um, and, and, you know, they continue on. So so, you know, salute to those people. Um, your, your second question was well, yeah, just around language, you know, so oh, the, yeah. the two big things that I think I've successfully stopped saying is, you know, these people are my tribe or my tribe says this and that. Um, and then my spirit animal. Yeah. Right? No, no, so, that, yeah. Spirit animal is just distasteful. Like, okay. you know, um, I mean, you, you know, like the pe- tribe is an anthropological term, right? You mm-hmm, know, that, that's sure. an anthropological term that could, you know, there's, there are a lot of different tribes. Like I think corporations are tribes now and stuff like that, but we also live in America and we have to understand that there are people who are members of bodies, um, that are legally called tribes. They were unfortunately called tribes. They were erroneously called tribes, they're nations, but nonetheless, they're, that's what they, that's what they are. That's what they refer to. So I do think it cheapens the value of that you know, when, so I think it's good to be mindful of, it's not something like I'm, I'm not a person that's predisposed to be like offended. Like I'm, I'm mad at you, <laughs> but I think that, you know, it's good to be mindful of that. Yeah. And, and if you reduce it, that's beautiful. Um, spirit animal. Yeah, that's, that's, that's tacky. That's tacky. I think everybody should dead that. Um, because we know what it's in reference to, you know, same thing, something on a totem pole, like it's specific meetings. Tribes is a little bit more generalized okay. and reasonable people, smart people can differ on those things. But, you know, the spirit animal, the, the total, you know, lowest person on the totem pole, too many chiefs, not enough Indians, mm. like all that stuff. Nah, that, they got a dead that stuff. That's that's terrible. That's that's terrible. Are there any other in, in kind of the same vein, any other specific things, um, you know, mostly educators are listening to this. Yeah. Um, either things that, that they can name either amongst other educators or with students that would be, you know, kind of a, a small shift and an easy, an easy ish thing to be more mindful of. I think those things, I think that's a real good start. Um, I think definitely, you know, you want to be mindful of, you know, referring to native people in the present tense, you know, they used to do this, like, you know, that like, no, I mean, you know, maybe. And and also just essentializing Native people in general. You know, well, Native people, um, you know, they, they uh, um, you know, lived off the land and stuff like that. Well, you know, there was people, there was actually places. Or lived uh, in wild places. Yeah, wild places. There was cities. There was cities where there was massive trade going on. This is a matter of historical record. And so almost just like any other, you know, treat them, treat us like any other group of people. So, you know, any statement that generalizes a whole bunch of different people is generally going to be wrong. <laughs> right. Like just yeah. assume yeah. that, yeah. you know, that yeah. that, oh, OK, well, you know, Native people once, you know, like not nah, just, you know, like find out more, do more research on that specific group and. And, and don't group everybody in together. You know, it, I think that's a reasonable practice. Maybe it's just as simple as not saying all blank people always blank. Should never do that. Yeah. Should yeah. never do that. Yeah. Josie, I want to thank you for coming to the Hillbrook community and being a part of things. I know it's been, you've had some, some long days talking to kids. And, oh, it's good. And, uh, um, you know, but I think it's been great for our community and we're, we're looking forward to to the rest of today and and, yeah. and thanks for for joining us thank you both for having me yeah so let's uh share out the social so oh yeah Instagram, yeah. twitter you already mentioned your podcast yep uh break with wolves indigenous pirate radio and uh the social media is big indian jossie spelled g-y-a-s-i jossie ross big that, indian jossie 
Twitter, uh, Twitter and Instagram. Perfect. That yep. makes it easy for people. That's right. We'll link that in the show notes also. Cool. Great. Thank right. you so much. For Thank you. On the podcast. Thank you.